Hello and welcome back to our devotions on the Psalms. Three weeks ago, we started with Psalm 37, which is about fretting, not fretting because of evildoers. Well, today I'm going to do part three. And part three is very different from the first two parts. First two parts were encouraging, they were teaching, they were teaching you what to do and what not to do. But in part three, which we will read shortly, it's a personal testimony. It begins with, I've been young, now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. The psalmist goes from teaching about what to do and how to do it to, listen to me, I have lived many years and I have lived to tell you that it is right to do that which is righteous. There's nothing so beautiful and powerful as personal testimonies. Because we can tell people lots of things, how to do this, how to do that. But when someone who has lived through it and is able then to say, you know, the truth is, having lived all these years, these are the things that I've seen so you can believe that what I teach you is correct, is true. And that's the beauty of part three of this psalm. So let's listen to it. Listen to how the psalmist talks about the righteous who, who will not starve, who will be delivered from by God, and the wicked who will eventually pass off, pass away. Let's listen now to Psalm 37, and I shall read from verse 25 to 40. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the testimony of the psalmist. We pray then that it may your truth may take root in our hearts, that indeed we will live by faith, not in the things that we can see alone, but in what you tell us and what the testimonies of others before us tell us as well. That God, we may know that as we grasp, as we hold on to truths, as we hold on to integrity, as we hold on to believing in you, indeed, Lord, you will watch over us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Psalm 37, verse 25. I have been young, now am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good, so shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. I have seen wicked, ruthless men spreading himself like a green laurel tree, but he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. Mark the blameless and behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace, but transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them 
because they take refuge in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to One of the biggest, biggest challenges to leading a Christian life is to lead a life of live a life of integrity in the face of people who are wicked, people who are duplicitous, people who cheat you, wicked people who seek to hurt you. It is the biggest test of faith to know that people are plotting against you and yet to hold your line as a person of integrity, to keep on living the way you have learned to live, whether you are dealing with a good person or a bad person. I think this is where Jesus says, be wise as serpents, but gentle as doves. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by people who pretend to love you while they are stabbing you in the back. Be well aware. And yet, having been aware, become aware of their ploys, by faith, you continue to live as you have always lived. Kind, honest, good, generous. How then do you become an honest person in the face of people who seek to hurt you? How then can you learn to live with compassion in the face of people who are wicked, who are not compassionate? I've had struggles with this personally, but I've dealt with people also, Christians, fellow Christians, when I've asked them, why do you behave in such an aggressive way? Why don't you give in? Why don't you behave as a compassionate person and to give compassion? The answer is, well, if the persons were really that nice, I would be compassionate. But just look at the enemy that we deal with. These are wicked people, people who will seek to lie and cheat. How then can I continue to give them the compassion, the compassion that I give to someone else? <clears throat> but think of it this way. <clears throat> are we also people who change to be people of integrity at one moment to good people and people without, without integrity to a wicked person? Can we be a person who is kind to the kind, but wicked or unkind to the unkind? Certainly not the way Jesus taught us. He tells us to be kind to the good, to be kind to the enemy. He tells us to be righteous to those who are righteous to us, as well as those who are unrighteous. <clears throat> you see, the reality is this, that we are supposed to be people of integrity. People of integrity meaning that we are what you see. That I am this person, whatever the situation. My personality should not waver, should not sway with whatever people I'm dealing with. If I'm an honest person, I'm an honest person to the honest person, and I'm an honest person to the dishonest person. If I'm a kind person, then I'm kind to those who are kind, but I'm also kind to those who are unkind because my very nature is that I'm kind. I'm not talking about myself, of course, but I'm saying that that is what integrity is. That I will not change the way I live or change the way I am simply because I'm dealing with a different kind of person. And all of this calls for deep faith in God. A belief that it is not the, the It is not my strategies, it is not my schemes that will protect me, but it is the hand of God that protects me. 
And therefore, I can afford to be have integrity because whatever I do, it is not what I do that protects me, but it is what God does that protects me. And so, with this, let us look at this passage. First of all, the psalmist tells us, let's not look at who your enemy is, but rather who you are called to be, the kind of life that you will live. And then the psalmist says, let me assure you that when you live this way, you will prosper. You will not be put to shame. And so he says, I've been young and now I'm old. I have tasted life. And throughout my life, I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. What he's saying is that when you hold integrity, even when people seek to cheat you, people take things from you, people snatch an inheritance from you, whatever people do, the righteous will prosper because it is not what the right what the person does in retaliation or in self-defense, but it is what God does to defend that person. <clears throat> the psalmist here is testifying a great truth. He has gone through, he, he led a difficult life. He was betrayed at some point by his own son. He was betrayed by his mentor, King Saul. He was betrayed by many people. <clears throat> and yet, as he kept faith in God, and he has probably seen others who did the same, that no matter what his en- their enemies did to them, when they led righteous lives, refused to bend and to do and to compromise their own standards and to cheat and lie, even as others cheated and lied to him, they prospered. <clears throat> They've never seen them begging his children begging for food. He's ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. Lending generously. You know, sometimes you get burnt quite often, right? You lend and then they cheat you. To lend generously is to continue to be generous, believing that it is God who protects you. This man has not become cynical. Neither has he become worried that he has not enough. But rather, he's generously lending, knowing that when you lend, you may not get it back. But he's still generously lending because he knows that he will not lack. He does not lack. Such a person is indeed blessed. It's not just that he's generous and therefore that's a virtue. What makes a person generous? A person becomes generous when he is assured, he feels secure that he will never lack. That even if I lend a swindler and I got cheated by that person, that's alright because I know that I will not lack. That God will still supply my needs. This is what it means when he says that this person, this righteous person, lends generously. He does not fear that he will lose, his his kindness will backfire on him. And his children become a blessing. You know, children uh, watch how we live. One of the proudest things that we feel is when our children are a blessing. When our children have the same compassion that we have. When our children grow up with our kind of heart. What he's saying then is that when you live righteously, then your children too will be a blessing to others. So then the psalmist says in verse 27, Turn away from evil and do good, so shall you dwell forever. So in the face of evil, do not have schemes, evil schemes to fight the evil schemes of others. Turn away from evil. 
no matter how compelled you are, no matter how you feel, I really want to whack back, I really want to cheat back those who have cheated me, turn away from evil. Because we were not made to live in evil. We are called to live righteously and that's where the blessing is. And the promise is you shall dwell forever. Why? Because the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. The children of the wicked shall be cut off. God values, God treasures justice. And when you live justly, when you value justice, not just for yourself, but as a person who is just to others, when you give even the wicked what is due to them, then God will honour you. I have a very close friend whose husband passed away and and husband had other children from another marriage and he had actually settled what they should get. And yet when he passed away, these stepsons started taking advantage, started scheming. My friend was very disappointed, very hurt. But because she was a person of integrity, she said, even though they seek to hurt me, even though they seek to, to, to cheat me of what should have been mine, I will give to them what is theirs and more so. Even beyond what they are entitled, I will give them. Because she was a person of integrity. And I found that so difficult because as she struggled discovering that her stepsons were, were not honourable, but they were finding ways of, of taking whatever little that she had. And yet, she, in the kindness and the honesty of her heart, said, but I will not bend, I will not be a different person. I will still deal honourably with them. Because God just loves justice, and He loves those who live honourably. And then it says in verse 30, The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. Wisdom comes only when our hearts are not when we are not double-minded and double-hearted, when our hearts are not thinking, or our minds are not scheming, well, maybe if I did it this way, I might, I might hurt my enemy. Maybe if I did it that way, my schemes may thwart the enemy's schemes. That makes us foolish, because then no longer are we thinking of what is good, what leads to a good end. But a person who keeps his path straight to say, whatever happens, I will be honourable, there is deep wisdom in that. And he will continue to speak justice. Because why? Because God is in his heart. The law of God is in his heart. And the law of God tells us, calls us to first be honest, but first, secondly, also to be compassionate. Jesus teaches us to love our enemies. And that is difficult. And yet when the law of God, when the teachings of God remain in our hearts, then we will act wisely and our steps will not slip. Then the psalmist tells us what really confronts the righteous. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. And he says the Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he's brought to trial. Here is the righteous man attacked by the wicked. And the psalmist says, it is God who will protect. Not whatever the righteous one does, but God himself will protect him. 
And so he says in verse 34, Wait for the Lord to keep his way. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. There are times when the wicked seem to prosper. In verse 35 and 36, he talks about how the wicked spreads himself like a green laurel tree, proudly, prosperously. He says, but then when I looked again, the man was no more. He had passed away. You see, often it just leaves a very bitter taste when our enemies seem to prosper. When our enemies take advantage of us and pummel us, knock us down again and again, take that which is rightfully ours, it hurts a lot. But the psalmist says, just wait for the Lord. Because two things will happen first, that your life will be protected and preserved, and secondly, the wicked will pass away and there will be no more. They will be destroyed. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. At the end of it all, it is knowing not about how good we are, how scheming we are, how intelligent we are, but simply how faithful our God is. It is one of the biggest tests of faith. It is also one of the biggest discoveries of the faithfulness of God. And so each of us will face people who will seek to hurt us, seek to scheme against us, seem to take the things that belong to us. And that's when we learn to wait upon the Lord and to keep our integrity to say, I will not change simply because others are dishonest. I will not be dishonest. Just because others <clears throat> are unkind will not make me unkind as well. I will be as the Lord has called me to be. And I will lay all my troubles, all my problems before God, and I will wait for Him, because I will learn to trust in my God. Let us pray. <clears throat> Father, it's so hard when we are tested this way. When people seek to hurt us and take that which is rightfully ours, when people scheme against us. And Father, then to keep our integrity, to remain honest, to be, remain compassionate, to remain honourable. It's so hard, Father. But we ask that you inscribe that into our hearts, that indeed we will be people who will love your laws, love your ways, where we will be people who's in whose, on whose hearts your laws and your ways are written, we will seek to love, to live this way. And so God, help us, help us in our unbelief, help us in our struggle with our anger and our sense of injustice. Help us to rest in you. Because Lord, at the end of the day, you tell us that you protect us. You tell us that you love the just and those who live righteously turn from evil will indeed be protected by you. Help us to believe this as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, have a blessed weekend. Just some good news for us all to rejoice in. Sunday evening when the Chinese nationals came, in the past we had the uh, use of like seven or eight, but last Sunday there were 30 people turning up. 
four prayed to receive Christ. I believe that God is really working among our migrant workers. And starting with the Chinese then, we see God working and bringing them to the Lord. You know how important it is that they in a strange faraway land are being touched, found by God. That they may bring that newfound faith back to their homeland and know that God is with them. We hope also to go beyond the Chinese and to reach perhaps those in Bangladesh or in India. That will come in due time. But for those of you who have a passion for Chinese, especially as when you are fluent in Chinese, I encourage you then to offer your services, your help to Roland, uh, who's anchoring this. Um, sometimes a lonely job as he does the work. I think he needs a lot of support too. Um, people come alongside him, if not, if only just to befriend um, these migrant workers, um, to sit with them, talk to them, explain the faith to them. And I hope then encourage those of you who are fluent in Chinese, have a passion for people from China, do come and join this group. Uh, they meet at 7, I think, uh, on Sunday nights. But go and have a word with Roland. If you don't know who he is, come to see me and I'll introduce you to him. <clears throat> we are also starting, hoping to start um, <clears throat> personal kind of evangelism, personal follow-up of some of our newcomers. You know, lately we have had people join us uh, quite regular, quite frequently, newcomers. And some of them know very little of Christ. Some of them never came to church, never been to church before. Um, and what we hope to do is to spend time with them, maybe a few weeks, an hour per week for maybe four weeks, just to help them with the basics of the Christian faith, teaching them how to pray, teaching them how to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, how to read the Bible, simple things like that. I encourage you, if this is something in your heart too, come and talk to me. Because, um, yeah, you know, especially over Sunday lunch, we meet with people, newcomers and all that. We really want to go beyond just becoming their friends. We want to form something more structured um, and help them to know the faith. So here's an appeal. If um, there are those of you who have that passion as well, feel Holy Spirit telling you to do this, um, I'll provide the materials, <clears throat> also some training, and then you can really help another person to grow in the Lord. Do pray about this and have a blessed week. God bless you. Goodbye.